0: You're listening to 103.5 FM, The Sun Community Radio, WLSP-LP, Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. And you're in homeroom with Brad Saren. My name is Todd Lasky. I'm the host. We're here uh, through a Zoom call, which of course you can't see, but we're bringing everyone together virtually here for uh, our, 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 a different way of doing homeroom. We're, we're happy to have Brad Saren with us. Brad, good to see you again through the computer.
1: Good to see you too, Todd. It's
0: uh, it, It's been quite a month since we've... Uh, last had a show, and uh, we'll get into a lot of that here uh, today's show, but hope you and, and everyone's doing well uh, in your family. And um, wanted to bring in uh, our guest today is Colleen Kay, who is the Coordinator of Digital Media and Innovation for the District. And uh, welcome, Colleen, first of all.
2: Hi, thanks for having me. Can you
0: maybe spell out what that means, what your job title means, and especially <laughs> in these days, uh, why that's a, a, a big thing?
2: Yeah, so I'm a teacher by trade. So that I think is an important um, distinction. I work in the technology department, but I am a teacher. Um, And one of the things that I do is support the instructional side of technology. So while I can't fix Chromebooks or anything like that, what I do is help teachers use technology really well. Um, So I work with everybody from going into classrooms and working with students, to working with their teachers, to working with principals, to um, working with the teaching learning and equity team. Um, and curriculum stuff. So I'm kind of all over the place, but really supporting the instructional side of technology and helping teachers use that really well for engagement. Um, Engagement is really my focus.
0: Sure. And I would imagine that's really changed a little bit in the last month or so, you know, as we're in a period that has really been never been done before like to this extent in in education and i wonder if maybe both of you brad and colleen can talk about that it's at some level what kind of just the challenges uh the district is facing and really education is facing in terms of kind of making this up as you go to some extent i know there's been plans in place for for some of this but some of you kind of have to uh just kind of feel your way
1: through right yeah, uh, districts across the nation right now are literally in uncharted territory and uh, I think uh, for the most part those systems that were healthy in terms of tech integration and staff development and helping teachers meaningfully integrate uh, technology and um, also amplify the classroom are doing a bit better right now and those school districts that were struggling are are really right now having those struggles manifest in frustrations. And we're just thankful to have someone like Killeen on on staff. And we were so proactive because of her work, which is why we wanted her to come on the program today.
2: <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I think it's been it's been really interesting because we have had a lot of things put into place. So when we had to start thinking about doing this, it was really less about how we would do it and more about just getting everybody on the same page and making sure that our that our message was really strong and simple and really reached kids at any level that they would be at. I think the hardest part about this is not the technology integration. It's not the instruction. It's really missing our kids and like not being able to connect with them. And that is really what teaching is about. So all of this works, but the the ability to be with our kids and connect with our kids is the, is the biggest thing that we're having to focus on and continue to come back to and think about ways to deal with that because not only are they, not with us, but they're in a different place in the world that we just have never experienced before. And teachers, that's our job. And that's what we do. We help kids maneuver through those those times and not being with them, I think is the trickiest part right now.
0: And anyone out there who is who has kids knows that that's they're feeling that too. I mean, they, they want to be at recess with their friends. They want to be in class with their friends and see their teachers and talk to them and kind of get that sense of normalcy. And uh, maybe we'll get into that a little bit in, in a couple minutes of how that kind of can continue to some extent, even if it's not in the same room together. But, but I wanted to take you, you both back to the middle of March when, uh, you know, last time Brad and I were in the studio together having a show, we were talking about coronavirus and what it kind of was meaning at that point. And it really, uh, you know, escalated from there in a matter of days. We were, we were talking about uh, what the options are if school had to close. And, you know, within a couple of days, it had happened. So going back to that point, how were you guys putting things Uh, in place and and to get it to where March 18th, you guys have 8,600 students in the district uh, kind of trying to support them and and get them uh, where where they could be in, in in an educational environment.
1: So how that looked is literally on March 17th and 18th, we went into what we call a situation room and just began thoughtfully designing the supports that we felt the teachers, students, and families needed in order to be able to function. Uh, So that week, that was a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the 18th, 19th, and the 20th. um, uh, Kayleen and her the whole teaching, learning, and equity team just supported uh, a couple of days of online distance engagement. And then we had spring break, thankfully. Uh, and what ended up happening is we worked the entire spring break. So that way on day one, after spring break, uh, families could begin to engage with teachers that felt uh, not entirely prepared, but more equipped to be able to move into a new normal. Um, and, uh, and I think what uh, Kayleen was saying is absolutely um, on spot in that we are so proud of how our teachers have been able to scale to an environment that is unprecedented and how flexible and appreciative our families have been in order to be open to us engaging in a new normal. Um, and uh, one thing that was also interesting is from day one on that March 18th, when we sat down and we made the final decision to begin to, um, Actually closed schools just ahead of the governor's formal uh, closure of all schools across the state of Wisconsin We did it uh, a bit before that came out um, One of the things that we're also very proud of is the way that we approach the system through a lens of equity and in Making sure that the systems that that our teaching learning and equity team and our operations team were creating was able to reach all kids
0: and it's it's kind of just it it to me it has been kind of stunning to know that we're only a month into this considering how many things have happened uh, in that month and I think that that applies to to uh, almost every part of life right but right now but uh, I I wonder if you guys can can talk and maybe Colleen you can talk about what a now that now that everything is you know you've gotten past uh, spring break you've gotten into a a, a uh, virtual learning distance learning those kind of environments what a day looks like for a student and it, maybe it's different for when you're talking about kindergarten to 12th grade th- those kind of things look different but can you kind of give us an overview of what a student would kind of encounter in in a, what is i was almost going to say normal day but knowing that there isn't a normal day anymore but what something like that might look like now
2: Yeah, so it really does depend based on grade level, but our goal is not to replace in-class instructional time with minute-to-minute match of instructional time from home. Um, We also really don't want our kids sitting in front of a screen all day, so distance learning is a really clear distinction that it's not virtual learning. So while many of the tools that we're lucky to have support this model that do include technology... Thinking, learning, and doing can and should happen both on and off of technology. And we've really tried to push that with our staff Um, and our families. So the general guidelines that come from the state are that um, in grades four, K, and five, about two hours of total learning equals one school day. So really that means, you know, if they're reading a book for a half hour, that's 30 minutes of that time that they're spending on their school day. Um, A lot of times that looks like a 15 minute morning meeting or a calendar time that kids are engaging either synchronously or asynchronously with their teacher. Um, I'm sorry 4k through fifth grade is two hours and then our, in grade six through nine the general guideline is about four to five and a half hours of, of Total learning in one day and then when you bump up to 10th through 12th grade It's about five and a half to six and a half hours per day So we're really trying to make sure that we are not overwhelming our students in an already really stressful time by trying to make minute-by-minute minute matches and um, That being said, there's a lot of different ways that that looks for kids. So sometimes um, it looks like a list of activities that kids can engage in that they know they can log into their class platform at a certain time every day and get that information. Sometimes it looks like a set time to connect virtually with a teacher or classmates. Sometimes it looks like a flipped or video mini lesson that the students then respond to in different ways. So it looks different on different days, but we really are trying to provide a sense of normalcy. So similar structures and routines to what they were used to in the classroom setting. So if you know a kindergarten classroom does a calendar every morning, that's still part of what their learning looks like from home, just guided by their teacher. Um, doesn't have to be anything new and different, just continuing with those routines. And really stressing that Distance learning is much less about completing all of the things that they would complete in a normal day, and much more about making sure, sure our students are cared for, engaged and connected in such an uncertain time.
0: You, you mentioned two terms there, and I wonder if you can uh, cycle back to explaining what synchronous and asynchronous mean in this environment um, in, in when we're talking about distance learning.
2: Yeah, so synchronous just means that people are coming together at the same time to do the work, and asynchronous means that people are working individually or separately on a similar task. So we really are challenging our educators and families to think about what is the purpose of an asynchronous Um, asynchronous work and synchronous work. So when we say kids should meet on a Zoom call so that they can connect with their class, we wanna be really thoughtful about the fact that not everybody has the same schedule now that we're not in school. And we wanna be really thoughtful about anything that we're providing in a synchronous manner saying it happens at this time, we can also give kids who can't make it that time, or maybe their internet isn't working or whatever the glitch might be, that they have the opportunity to engage in that same learning activity outside of that specific time. So we do want to make sure that kids can connect with their teachers and with their peers. But at the same time, we know that synchronous learning is not going to happen for all kids all the time. And our goal is to make sure that we are meeting all of our kids where they're at.
0: And a lot of this has to be, uh, there's a lot of thought put into all of this, I know. And a lot of it is happening as we go. Um, I I know I've I've read some concerns about security and and digital. We've talked on on the show before before brad about digital security and, and everything like that and it, again it's being pushed into a different realm um how how does how is it, maybe both of you can address this how is the district handling those kind of privacy security uh kind of concerns uh when when we're talking about the, kind of this new um new to everyone in, in a lot of ways uh approach to things
2: So this is kind of exciting for someone like me because I've been trying to push that people are concerned about data and privacy for students over the course of the last couple of years. So really helping educators think about every time we put our kids on an online platform, we have to be aware of what the data and privacy laws are around that specific platform and make sure that it makes sense for what we believe about what we want our kids to be engaging in. So that policy already existed. Um, Our staff, when they find something new that they want to use, we we try to keep it as open as possible to them. But all they have to do is send it over to me, talk to me about how they're going to use it. And then I do the vetting for our district about what um, if that is a tool that we want people to be using data and privacy wise and also instructionally. Um, so we have, I mean, I think this is an interesting time because it's heightened some of those ideas, but those are things that people that weren't necessarily thinking about a couple of years ago and it's super fluid and it changes all the time. But just the fact that that's a height, there's a heightened sense of, is this safe for our kids? I think that's a good thing for our teachers to be thinking about our families to be thinking about. Cause so often we sign kids up for things and we don't even think twice. And so I think that the fact that this is in the news is a good thing. Um, that being said, we have done a lot of work to make sure that all of the tools that we're using are safe for our kids. So even things like Zoom, we are using in our schools, and I know there's a lot of noise out there about that. We have provided our educators with guidelines about how to most appropriately use those tools um, and some really specific things about not reporting students and things like that so that it can be the safest possible way to use them. Um, We also make sure that our parents are signing permission slips for um, for students under 13 to be able to even use these apps and services based on different laws. So we have all of these things have been in place and this is a really good time to remind people. Yes, there are concerns and yes, we need to be on top of it. That's part of our job as educators is to continue to think about what we're putting our kids on and how that's affecting their data and privacy.
0: You're listening to a homeroom on 103.5 The Sun Community Radio, coming to you from the 103.5 The Sun Studios, underwritten by the Bank of Sun Prairie. My name is Todd Molesky. I'm here with Brad Saren, and our guest today is Colleen Kay, the coordinator of digital media and innovation for the Sun Prairie Area School District.
1: Todd, um, one of the things that I'd like to yeah. just to add to, to the good work that's happening here is that You know, when when parents do have questions, we have a distance learning website that is a a very good resource for everybody. And so if you have questions uh, like, you know, what does a typical day look like? Or, you know, how is the district engaged in making sure that our kids are digitally safe? Um, The first thing that you can do is please utilize our website um, it's under district and it's literally the first choice uh, as that drop-down menu pops up It's called distance learning and it's guided by are you a you know, are you a teacher? Are you a parent? Are you a student and um, and you can click on that area and really be um, guided to uh, parts that are really pertinent uh, to you and the, the other thing that uh, you'll pick up on it, like I said before is that healthy systems that had that had um, systems in place before distance learning are finding it healthy right now? So we were already engaged in keeping our kids safe through uh, helping students understand that when they go online, they have to understand what what privacy is. And so uh, through that distance uh, learning transition, the curriculum that that we've been you know engaging with. Um, kids with as far as digital citizenship and all of this, the awareness that kids have had and going into utilizing platforms like Seesaw or zoom or Google sites or Google classroom uh, still apply. And so that's what we're really proud of.
0: And, you know, we, we have been talking this whole show about the use of technology and it, it, Comes down to the availability of technology as well. And I know the district has worked on this for years in, in getting to a point where you're at a one to one ratio. And I, as, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's, that's all the way up for, for students right now, correct?
2: Yeah. And luckily that just happened this year. So last year at this time, we did not have devices for our students in kindergarten through second grade. So we've been super lucky as a district that we have been continually supported in this um, effort to get devices into the hands of kids. And now this year for the first time, we are one to one devices K through 12. So our kindergartners and first graders have iPads, and then our second graders through 12th graders have Chromebooks. And that was a huge piece in making sure that we could do this really quickly. The biggest concern that we had was getting them all out of their carts and getting them to kids. And that actually happened pretty seamlessly because so many of our families were willing to come and get the things that they needed from school, and our teachers were willing to support that happening as well. Um, The other thing that we... Trained all their
1: teachers and utilizing the platforms at the beginning of the school year, which um, was something that again, healthy organizations do. We had uh, looked toward integrating um, really more parent integration um, and leveraging technology to create that connection through a platform called Seesaw. And so at the beginning of this year, Uh, we had a a full staff development program that trained all of our teachers and being able to utilize that and teacher many teachers had been utilizing that platform to engage parents so we we walked into leveraging that platform to a more significant degree with with teachers parents and students already knowing how to log in how do you create a video how do you look at your assignments all of those basic items the
0: uh, the the Two questions that come up to me in, in that is, um, you know, when when you're talking about having iPads and and Chrome or computers, they need Wi-Fi to work, and and that's not a universal uh, component available to all of the families in the district, I would imagine. How how has the district helped with that? And also, how does the district help when you know technology just doesn't work, which happens sometimes? Um, how? I guess maybe you can go into kind of how you've addressed those those things.
2: Yeah, so we um, are in a really lucky position again. I think Sun Prairie is sort of ahead of the curve on this, but something that we were already beginning to provide our students were hotspots, wireless hotspots at home for things like homework. And so we had started putting that into place already. So we already had some policies and some procedures around that. So when it turned into distance learning, we did, um, a survey for families just to see what is the level of access and internet access at different homes. We had a very high percentage come back saying, "Yep, we have access to those things." And so we were like very confident that we could supply the hotspots needed for people who who requested them. And so we've been continuing to do that um, daily. We get requests for hotspots, and we've been getting them out to families as quickly as we can. Um, I think that that is something that we have been able to do that a lot of districts haven't been able to secure. And I think that's because we had that process in place already for some of our families who didn't have internet access at home. Um, And I think as far as technology, like this is a time where um, technology not working is a barrier to access to learning. And so usually that's not the case. I mean, if tech doesn't work, it's just really frustrating, but now it keeps a kid from being able to engage with their class. And so we have done a really nice job, I think, on the tech side of creating a document that people can fill out if they have a tech issue. And then we aren't even really worrying about fixing things right now, but just getting them a new device as quickly as we can so that they they can continue to engage with their their classrooms.
1: So if you, um, so one of the things that I know the tech department is a little bit humble about is when we transitioned into uh, distance learning, there was a lot of um, troubleshooting and support that parents and kids needs. And in one week, we had about 700 requests for help. And our tech department was able to facilitate that that turnaround in about a week. And uh, just being able to have the capacity, the know-how of our people in our tech department has been amazing. And the process is very easy. So if you go to that distance learning page that I was referring to before, there is a red button right in the top of the page that says "Report a Report a Problem" with a Chromebook or a device, and so that's been something that I, I know has been very helpful, and that I personally like, um, you know, walked people through the process of I know that you have a problem, I know it's frustrating, but we will help you. Let's go to this web page together and let's help you know you go through this form and be able to submit a request for help. And.
0: and- when I mean we're talking about uh, uh, you know, this is a, a whole family kind of uh, process because you obviously have students, but their parents are involved. The parents in some respect have to be able to help out uh, if there's a question. Uh, I know in in our family, uh, our, our our kids take Spanish, and I don't speak very much Spanish. I've gotten along. I can understand a little bit, but I can't help a lot. we're We're lucky that my wife speaks. Fluent Spanish, so she can help out. But in those situations, and, and you know, we've we've done some math work that I've kind of been able to pick up on it. But uh, it's we're learning together in a lot of those ways. Um, if parents just can't find the ways to help, how how can they get in contact? I guess, or what's the best way for them to interact in order to be able to help? I guess if if that's a different way of looking at it.
1: I think you speak to just this larger, um, this larger understanding of how parents are finding the confidence and the time to be able to help their students be successful in this new normal. And so we've had to really transition to not only a new schedule, but sort of a new philosophical stance regarding distance learning to help both students and parents survive and to the extent that they can thrive in this new nor- new normal so one of the things that we did is because the the state of wisconsin has reduced the minutes requirement uh for schools uh we actually changed the the schedule for uh for the day for students and for teachers so on monday monday is a time where teachers can collaborate where we can have more integration of uh, teachers that uh, serve our students with disabilities, um, our teachers that serve students that don't speak English as their first language, uh, and also other electives. And so that way we have more consistency in instruction across grade levels and across departments. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday are really meant for those instructional days where kids are in, engaged. We've really pushed with our teaching staff the concept of let's take care of kids before covering new content in order to decrease that anxiety. So when you take new content, deliver it through distance learning in an uncharted territory, then multiply that by how many uh, classes kids have. It can be very overwhelming almost immediately. And if if you're like me or Colleen and you've got you know, kids at home and you're trying to work and support kids at the same time, it's, 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 it's really difficult. And so our teachers have done amazing about really leading with this understanding of it has to be doable. It has to be doable for all kids. We're going to put kids through kids before content, um, and we're going to facilitate things in a flexible way, which is why we learn, we lean toward an asynchronous environment where kids can engage in an activity and have the flexibility to do so maybe at night, maybe in the morning, when they have the capacity to be able to do it. Fridays of this schedule are just meant for individual outreach to kids. And so it's just a day where kids should not have a ton of assignments to be able to do, but are available for teachers to individually reach out. And so I I really hear what you're saying, and our teachers and our teaching, learning, and equity administrative staff have just done a, an exceptional job trying to scale and reformulate the the school district uh, approach to to assist with that.
0: And it's, uh, you know, when I I, I know that the, um, uh, the the testing has has been pushed aside for the year. That's a, a state uh, controlled thing. I know, um, but there are there's grading that has to get done uh, at some level and in some way. Uh, through, you know, by the end of the school year or whether it's the end of the third quarter or those kind of things. How does that happen now? <laughs> and how are you, uh, uh, what factors get, get taken into account there? I mean, maybe it, it doesn't mean, you know, quite as much at, at, at some levels as others, but there are some students that, you know, are, are looking at grades and looking at schools, colleges, those kind of things. How does that all play into uh, what's being done uh, grading-wise?
2: Yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, We've moved for the second semester to a pass, no pass grading system. The purpose behind this is just to protect and preserve the academic progress, credit attainment, GPA of students in such like an unprecedented time. So yes, we have students that are thinking about college. Yes, we have students who aren't able to take the standardized tests that colleges usually look at. All of those things still exist, but guess what? All of the colleges and all of the other high schools and elementary schools in the entire country and world are struggling with this same thing. So when we were kind of struggling through what do we do about grades, we really, really put our kids first and started to think about how we can support them as people and also push them to continue their learning in a way that makes sense in this really unprecedented time. Um, It it allows us to focus and streamline on what are the most essential standards? So on those Mondays when our teachers are collaborating They're really thinking about if we can't cover everything because we're not with kids anymore How do we decide what is most essential for our kids? And how do we really make sure that we are getting them to know those things? So instead of giving a grade to something we're really thinking about are they able to show that they have mastery of a standard and if not It's not just a no pass, it's a how do I give them feedback that supports them in getting to that mastery of those standards that are necessary for the next level. And so it really just allows everybody to kind of take a deep breath and really think about number one, no one's done this before. (laughs) Number two, we want to keep our most vulnerable kids in mind all the time. And three, we want to make sure that people are really focusing on people and that we are continuing learning opportunities, but we need to make sure that you know, people are really thinking about what's necessary during this time.
0: Brad, get, you'll get the last word here. We've got about 30 seconds left before we need to wrap up.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, so it, it's just important for people to know that uh, we have excellent staff uh, stationed at Westside, CH Bird and Northside from 1130 uh, in the morning to one. Um, in order to be able to serve breakfast and lunch. So if you, if you come, the kids don't have to be present and you tell us, listen, I need four lunches, I need, I need two, I need six, we will be able to accommodate for that. And you get a bag and there's lunch for that day and breakfast for the next morning. Uh, it's also important for everybody to know that uh, when you are in need, please reach out to your school social worker. They are available and they're there to help. Many of our social workers are plugged into resources across the entire county. Uh, and um, it, when people are in a tough scenario where maybe you know they were furloughed and they're having trouble making that internet payment for this next month, or maybe they have some other issue, um, we're here to help. And so just make sure that, uh, spread the word on that, that everybody, um, is here to, to help kids. And the last thing and this is sort of neat that we will be in, um, unveiling the Sun Prairie West wolf mascot in the school colors on Thursday, February, um, February, April 23rd, uh, watch for NBC 15 at five or at six, just to see the, the unveiling of the new wolf mascot for Sun Prairie West. Awesome, great reminders
0: there, Brad Saren. Thank you for joining us as always, Colleen K. Thank you for joining us. It was great having you both on today, and hope uh, everyone stays well with all with your families. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Todd Molesky. Thanks for listening to Homeroom with Brad Saren on 103.5 FM, The Sun Community Radio. It's all right.